0: Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest. We're going to talk all about real estate investments, private money lending, financial independence, financial freedom. And uh, our guest is Kevin Amolsh, and um, he's he's the founder and CEO of Pine Financial Group, which he's going to talk about. And uh, Kevin, welcome.
1: Chris Worth. Great job on the pronunciation pronunciation of my name. A lot of people get that wrong. You nailed it, man. But I am hey, excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, we connected through PodMatch, but um, tell people about your, your experience and your background and what you do for clients.
1: Sure. So I'll, I'll take you back. Um, I got started in real estate super young. I was 21 years old. I bought my first house and longer story, kind of short here, I... I Rented it out with roommates, you know, helping, helping pay for the the mortgage and all that. Then I went out and I got a student loan, even though I didn't need the money for school, I had the military paying my school for me, but I, I took out that money because it was cheap debt. And I used that to, as a down payment for a second property that I moved into. And then I kept that first one as a rental. So this was my first like exposure to real estate as an investment And what I saw was the cash flow every month, and I saw the appreciation, and I saw my tenant paying off my mortgage for me, and I just really fell in love with real estate investing. Um, So I decided, you know, I wanted to invest more, but I wanted to do more than just invest in real estate. I wanted to turn it into a career. So that's kind of how I got started in it. Um, What I learned through the process of turning that into a career was I absolutely love the financing side, the financing side of real estate how you structure your deal, how you make your offer, how you talk to the seller has everything, everything to do with how you finance it. So I just started focusing on that. I became a mortgage broker. Then I started raising private capital, bringing in funds from private investors, using that to loan out to help other investors do their projects. And now here we are um, in financials, a little over 15 years old and, and we're cranking. We do um, 20-ish deals a month. And we're just helping real estate investors fund their projects.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, you know, I love, uh, and, you know, my story is similar. I yeah, just basically through home ownership and then, you know, through managing tenants and kind of small renovations and, you know, like through loans, you know, credit, um, you know, using that money for down payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible, you know, how that, that the power of re- real estate for financial freedom.
1: There's no investment better. I mean, there you could make more money in other things. Like you can go out and invent something and make more money than you could in investing in real estate or starting a business. But what I will say is that real estate investing is the only way that I found a hundred percent guarantee you you'll be wealthy if you make smart decisions and you're in it for the long haul because it, it does take time to accumulate. But it's it's like the guarantee. It really is.
0: Yeah. And, you know, talking to so many um, successful individuals, such as yourself, um, you know, uh, majority, I think, over, you know, probably 99 plus percent wealthy individuals have real estate as a component, uh, whether it's 100 percent, you know, but they do have that that as a component of their wealth. Um, Right. So, so talk about, you know, one thing is question is talk about, um, you know, uh, you, you are more in now. Um, less of the active sides, you know, which I, active, I mean, like, you know, uh, know, flipping or landlord or, you know, these things, Uh, but now you're more of like passive and you're on the financing side, but um, talk about this idea of uh, how you, you know, transition from active to the, um, to what you're doing now and kind of the problems you're seeing. So for example, like, you know, landlords or, you know, with climate change, you know, pipes, bust, fires, all flooding, all of that.
1: Yeah. So how I got into the passive side is like, like I said, I was just falling in love with the, the, the financing side of the business. So I, when I was really young, right, I was just getting started. I didn't have any money. I was going to college. I was working part-time. I couldn't afford to go out and get loans. So I had to figure out how do I accumulate real estate without loans? Um, So I learned how to go into, to negotiate with sellers in their living room and do creative financing. So, we would do like long-term leases and then I would sublease it out to somebody else. Um, or we would do like a takeover payment kind of transaction or owner would carry the loan for me, all of these different creative things. So I was just going in on the weekends into properties, into people's homes and just sitting down and see if I could help them. And, and so that's why I fell in love with the financing side of it. And then I got recruited to be a mortgage broker. This was back before, even licensing was needed. So there was, it was like truly Christopher, the wild west, Uh pretty much anything would go, which, which led to the crash. Right. So we see that now, but we were, we were just making loans and no income, you know, low credits. It was crazy. And, and I got recruited to do that, but I didn't really enjoy that, especially when when guidelines started changing, things were tightening up. And now I was qualifying families for their homes that they wanted to, you know, there's a motion here and they wanted to move into their home and raise their family and then they're approved. And then all of a sudden they're not approved. And so I was just like getting a headache, banging my head against the wall. So I decided, you know, I needed to take control of this business. And that's when I decided to raise capital for private investors, because now I can make common sense decisions. I can control this. I originate underwrite and service loans. And I know how to keep the money safe, so that started in two thousand and six. I started bringing in private capital, so that's kind of the story on how I got into the private lending business. Um, but it all came from just meeting sellers and and helping them with their with their housing problems, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I really like how you um, were using kind of frustrations and obstacles to kind of gain better control. Um, you know, kind of pivoting you know, trying different things, uh, you know, that's true entrepreneurship and uh, just kind of, uh, so one thing is talking about is talking about uh, real estate, lending funds, um, hard money lending, funding your fix and flips. Again, you know, the climate it may not be optimal now, but just kind of talk about that.
1: Yeah. So the, I love this business that I'm in. Because I get to help, I'm like, you know, we always hear the win-win situations, and let's we got to try to build a win-win here. Well, this is this is truly a win-win-win situation because we bring in investor money, and especially in times like this where the stock market's all over the place, crypto's going crazy. We don't know what's going on in in the capital markets, so this is a way to bring stability to a portfolio. Portfolio it's secured by real estate, and it's um, it's well, it's consistent, right? So that's the stability piece. So we bring in, and it's higher return. So we bring in investor capital. They're super happy. They're making money. They're comfortable. Then we make money. And then we get to loan that money out to our investor clients that are doing fix and flips or repositioning of assets. And and we're providing loans that banks wouldn't do. We could talk about this, but banks have a pretty small box, especially right now. So we're helping them make money. So it's just like, I get letters and emails all the time. Thank you for, for helping me with this. And because of you, this is what happened in my life. And gosh, I, I couldn't ask for a better career. Uh,
0: yeah. I love, I love that. And I love how you're um, helping people. Uh, you know what? I think the best, you know, I, well, this, is my just personal opinion is kind of for the main street to, you know, get wealthy in real estate is to, you know, buy that first home, um, you know, learn about it, learn about the financing, you know, renovate. Keep that asset. You can let you can rent it out. You know, help cover some of the costs and learn. And then after that, transition into you know some of the more advanced stuff that you're doing. Um, and so this is talking about is um, uh, you you were talking about um, raising money and. Um, expanding into some of the bigger, for example, institutional or family offices, high net worth individuals. Um, Talk about investing, you know, your company, what it does and um, all of that.
1: Yeah. So we, we do bring in some high net worth individuals. We haven't had a lot of success with family offices because they just want so much control. And that makes it hard. It makes it hard to operate just to be real candid with you. So we've decided to do like a public offering. So we have four mortgage funds. Um, three of them are all private. So it's just basically word of mouth, right? And then the, the last one's uh, public. So we could advertise that. I could put a billboard on the side of the road. Hey, I'll pay you 8% backed by real estate. I'm allowed to do that because we went through the process to get approved by the securities and exchange commission. So I guess we've decided instead of targeting the high net worth, we just want to help as many people as we can. So we, we take investments all the way down to $10,000. You don't need to be accredited. Um, so we're, we're just pulling up a bigger, bigger pool of funds, um, accredited and non-accredited investors. And then we just pay a, a flat 8%. So it's very simple and loan that money out to real estate investors. It's backed by the real estate. It's at low loan to values. We never go over 70% of the property's value. Look, I I started investing in, in 2001 or that's when I bought my first house. You remember that was the, the bubble burst in that year and then and 9-11 and all that. So I, I experienced all of that. And then I was heavy in, in 2008, I had almost 60 homes in 2008, and then that crashed. So I've lived through a couple of these now. Um, we're very careful. We we know what can happen in a recession.
0: I think your your path and mine are similar. Uh, you know, I ex- experienced the tech crash bubble, Enron, and you know, all that, you know, 2008, 2020, yeah. you know, all the, all the you know, uh, just all the basically, you know, what I call the 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 problems with fiat currency, all these booms, busts, you know, all of that really fascinating uh, question. You know, the uh, the next question is talking about is, um, you know, uh, talk about some of the mistakes you made on your way up, um, as well as some of the people may be interested in how you achieved that success um, and kind of your tidbits of wisdom.
1: Yeah, I want to I, I want to share a mistake with you because that's a fantastic question. But I, I'll say this first, like I so I chose to make real estate a career. Right. So I went I went all in full in. Um, that's not for everybody. A lot of people have other jobs and they they enjoy their career, but they want to they want that financial freedom. So we see very often people pull money out of their their W-2 jobs or another company and, and then invest in real estate. If it's private lending, great. If it's buying rental properties, great. Either one is going to really accelerate your growth. So I just wanted to share that I am not advocating people go into real estate as a career. It's definitely could be a career or it could be just a side investment. So the, the mistake I made to answer your question. Um, so when I was, I was buying a lot of properties, I was buying one or two every single month, just accumulating. And I didn't, I was young. I was 23, 24, 25 years old. I didn't have the cash or the credit like a lot of my peers. And I, kept, I was having success accumulating. And so I, I was getting questions all the time. How, how are you doing this? Like, how, this doesn't seem real. You're so good, you know, and I was getting compliments. And and so all of this was like just filling my head right now. My head was getting bigger and bigger. And I was having, I had this, this ego and ego is the enemy, right? So I was growing this ego. And so I started making goals. We all make goals, any high achiever, probably you and all of your listeners have goals. So we we set these goals, and then a high achiever like us, we fight to get to hit those goals. Right? We we don't just write them down; we follow and we, we follow through. We want to hit those. So I think the goal setting is super important, more important than people even realize. And it's not the process of the goal setting; it's how you set the goals. So what is the intention of the goals? So my intention was to fill this ego, right? Because I was getting this from my peers. So I, I would have goals as. I want to do two deals a month or one deal a month. I got to do 15 deals this year. It was all about the number. It wasn't about the results from the number, which is what we are looking for is the freedom, right? It wasn't about the freedom. It was about that ego. And what I ended up doing was buying properties that weren't very good because I had to hit that goal. And then 2008 hit and Mm -hmm. then just, it just, everything started crumbling in. So, I think that that was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my career is is improper goal setting and, and setting the goals for the wrong reasons.
0: That's uh, And talk about really, because um, a lot of people, once they achieve success, um, you know, I was talking to this uh, Olympic athlete one time, and he was saying uh, he's, he's like a three-time gold medalist, and that he was talking about each Olympic cycle, he would basically relegate himself mentally to the – Underdog, because if he was on the uh, if he viewed himself as the, the the top, he would start slacking off or you know start um, getting complacent. So kind of talk about that kind of mindset. Once you're there, like how do you continue that success and talk about risk as well?
1: Oh, well, I think it's it all comes down to your why. So this is this is going pretty deep here, Christopher. But it and this is not easy to do. But if you have a strong enough why, you're not you're not going to fall into that trap. So getting a little bit personal here, but you asked a question. Um, so when I was, I was nine years old and I lost my mom, she died of cancer and my dad raised me and he raised my dad, me, my sister, and my brother, and he did it all by himself. And the sacrifice he gave up was his retirement. So he gave everything up so that he could raise me. And then he gets into his retirement age and he couldn't do it. Hmm. He just, he just didn't have the fun. So I was like, you know, he gave, he gave up his life. He gave up every, everything for me. So I am going to help him retire. Hmm. And that, that was, that was a big, I mean, that's a good why. Like if you have a why that's that powerful, much bigger than you, then you can't fail.
0: Yeah. So well, man, so, and uh, I think we, we have very similar paths. Cause you know, I lost my mom when I was 11, you know, to cancer as well. So I think, you know, kind of. I assume you're Gen X or kind of Gen X millennial. That's what I, you know, that's what I gather. So then talk about this idea of, um, you know, you talked about the, um, you know, why and how you did it and, you know, it's kind of the mistakes that you learned on the way. Talk about, um, you know, how Pine financial, what it does, how it can help clients. You know, a lot of the people listening, they're they're interested in, um, you know, doing what you do or using you. So how can they do that?
1: Yeah. So again, we we bring in private capital and, and we do have that public fund. So that's that's really a, a great way to do it. Now, you don't have to go into a fund. We have clients that that like individual notes also. So if you wanted to go out and just invest in an individual note, you could do that. I and mean, maybe we talk we talk about let me answer your question. I mean, maybe we talk about some of the risks and rewards with doing that. Um, but we help our clients because we, we provide that the stability and the, the security and the comfort in their investment portfolio. Now, you're not going to have the, the big home run hit. Like if you're the active investor and you're willing to take the risk and manage the tenants and the contractors and all of that, um, we call them like tenants, toilets and tantrums. If you, if you can deal with all of that, then then you'll probably I mean, I know you'll make more money over time. Because you'll have multiple sources of income. You'll have the appreciation, like I talked about, your, your depreciation, tax benefit, your tenant paying off your and, and your cash flow, right? So we talked about some of that. You get all of that when you're the owner. On the passive side, it's just, it's just the one stream. It's just the interest income. We help our clients create that stability. And if you want to be an active investor, um, we have a wealth of knowledge. I've been doing this for two decades. Um, my whole office is, is investors, all the sales team anyway. So they develop properties, they, they own rental properties. They understand what it takes to be successful as a real estate investor. And so we try to help uplift and, and support our clients. We, we have the YouTube channel. I think you have one as well. Um, we do the, we do the podcasting like this. We do the newsletters, we do the classes and the live events. It's all about creating value and helping people. And, and then hopefully they will want to borrow from us. So we make our money by making loans and the way that works is value add so let's keep it real simple here uh, a single family home and i say fix and flip because we see that on tv right we know everyone knows what a fix and flip is so find a property a dilapidated property that you could add some value to maybe rehab the kitchen maybe finish the basement whatever it is get it at a good enough deal and we, we could talk about this too how you how do you find those and how do you know if it's a good deal but find the right one at a good deal add the value that's how you make your money and then exit so you sell the property and then you get your profit so we provide the money for the investors that do those fix and flips so the tv shows that you see someone like me typically someone like me or some private individual investor is behind those providing the funds for it
0: yeah yeah i love that and um you know well as we come kind of the close one thing i talk to a lot of investors is in this uh climate you know everybody's expecting interest rates to cut but um, I'm actually in the camp where they may prolong interest rates, maybe in hike, maybe once or twice, you know, kind of keep these rates in the four to 5% level. What are your thoughts and how how are you positioning your business with your clients, et cetera?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And we could talk for an hour on this subject, but we keep our portfolio 80% residential and 20% commercial. And the reason is because what you just said, there's turmoil in the market right now, the high interest rates is having an impact. It has a bigger impact on the commercial side. So when you think about homes, houses, and condos, you have two buyers, you have investor buyers that are buying it to try to earn a return. And then you have the emotional buyers, the ones that wanna live there and raise their family, right? So you have the two buyers. Now the ones that wanna live there and raise their family, they can handle higher interest rates usually. If if their emotion is strong enough, they're, they're willing to pay more for the property Or And and paying more could be the price of the property or the financing. Either one's paying more for the property. So that emotion will create that. So that's why there's some insulation in the residential side to higher rates. On the commercial side, it's all profit. The decision is made by return on your investment, and that's it. There's no emotion, right? So when you have higher interest rates, especially for a longer time like we have, then you have to see cap rates, the capitalization rates, which is how you... Um, value or, or analyze a property, you have to see those go up to keep up with the interest rates. And we haven't seen that. It's crazy, especially in, in like the multifamily. Cap rates have stayed compressed and eventually they have to pop. So I'm expecting to see that and because it has to keep up with these high interest rates. And when you have higher cap rates, the only way you get a higher cap rate is a lower price. You pay less for the asset that's producing cash flow for a higher cap rate. Lower cap rate, higher the price, right? It's in, it's like a bond and two interest rates, it's inverted. So we're gonna see value start to come down. Um, we're gonna see it in office, we, uh, we already are, and we're gonna see that in multifamily. So we're being very careful there. I'm um, in your camp, Christopher, we are going to see lo- interest rates stay for a long, longer period of time because the jobs market is too sticky.
0: It's like everywhere you see is like, you know, the economy, like people are like, out, you know, eating out, you know, traveling on planes and, uh, you know, it's just like, it's like sort of, and yeah, really interesting. Uh, How can people contact you, follow you, check out your work, uh, reach out to you?
1: Yeah. So if you're interested in private lending, whether you work with me or anybody else, I, I want, I want you to be safe. So we wrote a report on how to stay safe as a private and private lender. It's just the It's totally free. You don't have to worry about any of that. If we, if there's a chance to work together, if you think there's a chance to work together, you can reach me at um, pine. That's pine. Yeah.
0: And let's thank uh, Kevin um, for coming onto the podcast. I love his authenticity, his energy, you know, cares for his clients. You can feel it through the uh, video and um, all of his resources will be in the links and show notes and stay safe out there. And um, with that,
1: thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Christopher, this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible, and without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.